we are here today with a few contractors in the industry. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the modern HVAC contracting firm. And we'll kind of branch into some other topics as well. Um, so I'll go, I'll have you guys go around the room and introduce yourselves. We can start with Eddie. Hi, I'm Edward McFarland from Haller Enterprises in central Pennsylvania. And I currently work in the learning and development role. Awesome. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, my name is Austin Haller, uh, second generation uh, from Haller Enterprises, uh, but also founder of Schedule Engine. Uh, customer experience focused technology um, that does online scheduling and call tracking for contractors. Cool. I'm Tony Trapp, the apprenticeship coordinator at Upper Valley Career Center, which is located in Pickle, Ohio, a local uh, career tech school, um, trying to uh, educate the current um, students and to be the modern contractor HVAC technician. And I'm Nick Lamb, a co-owner of a company called Butler Heating and Air Conditioning in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I um, run the sales and marketing um, side of the business. My partner runs uh, service and install. We've been in business for uh, 70 years, luckily here. Awesome. Thanks guys for coming. I appreciate your time. Um, so let's just kick it off. Let's talk a little bit about you know the everyday HVAC contractor. What's different in 2019 versus what was happening even just 10 years ago? Yeah. So when I think about the role of a technician in the field today versus say 10 years ago, I think the first thing that we can think of is just, just simply uh, the work they have to do. When I was in the field. Most of the stuff you worked on, if you had a thermocouple, a belt, a universal gas valve, you could probably work on 80% of the stuff that you came across, whether it was a boiler or a furnace or whatever. And today, uh, with the evolution of uh, increased comfort and the technology that drives it, uh, technicians today really have to be experts in a number of different areas, not just uh, heat the, the equipment, but how much the equipment has changed, the specifics from all the different uh, proprietary uh, technology uh, represented in the, the consumer's home. So it's a, it's a much more diverse uh, education uh, that's required. Certainly the principles are the same, but uh, they really have to be a, a master of a lot more uh, understanding. And I think it's a bit more of a complex, and that's before you even get into the technology of how they actually do their job, whether it's paper and pencil or devices, etc. Yeah, and, and to add on to that, I think one of the one of the other big evolutions that has taken place is the evolution of customer expectations, consumer expectations from. Uh, from how they book service to how they interact with with the technician uh, the whole way through a completion and billing uh, and, and really the entire customer journey what consumers expect today based on uh, their experiences in other industries uh, convenience transparency uh, has has impacted the way contractors have to uh, take into consideration how they interact with their with their customers that's a really good point to bring up. We haven't had a whole lot of conversation on how the customer's expectations have changed when they're dealing with contractors, especially in a world where it's like we need instant gratification to get things done. Right. Obviously, uh, getting more and more skilled and, and talented folks into the industry is, is a huge challenge. Uh, but what compounds that challenge is the need to deliver this on-demand service to our customers and our consumers. I agree, but I actually think for a lot of companies, there's space there 
they, if they embrace that challenge, they can really differentiate themselves. There's a, you know, go to any town USA and open the phone book and there's a lot of choices and essentially most of them are operating business the same way and, and essentially not that different from 20 years ago. There's consumer calls in, there's some phone tag, there's a time space given and, and then there's not a lot of, uh, from the consumer standpoint, communication back and forth. But then uh, the companies that choose to embrace the uh, evolving expectations, both of the work performed, the way the work's performed, and then the technology that's available, I think there's a real uh, chance for them to stand out. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, it was enough to say that you drug screened your people, you wore shoe covers, and you had drop cloths. Well, if you go to supply house, anybody can get that stuff. And so, uh, while on one hand that's good for the consumer because the bar has been raised, uh, on the other, I think there's a real opportunity. You know, the obstacle becomes the way to, to really succeed. Yeah, I agree uh, with both those guys quite a bit. I think you do have an opportunity to differentiate yourself in the, in the business right now because of a lot of these factors. One being just the technology, the controls have changed so much. So to expect a service technician to service all makes and models now means that they um, have to not only be more diverse, but also extremely specific on each brand and their training. So um, I think because of that, service technicians are making more money now too, which mm -hmm. is well deserved. Um, and Austin even mentioned the availability of skilled technicians right now. And I think um, one of the things we're excited about is that a lot of kids are learning that this skilled trades route is a route that can help them earn money quickly, earn a good living, and not have college debt behind it. So that's one of the things that we've been excited about. If you just look over the last 10 years, I think that mentality of a high school kid has, has definitely changed. And you talk about diversity, they have more options now mm -hmm. in uh, terms of career paths. So we had the opportunity to visit with Tony at Upper Valley this morning and, and to see the, the way that the institution has embraced the opportunity to bring mm -hmm. people into the trades. I think it's a standout how-to model for a lot of areas and I'm sure he can speak to some of the, the challenges and, and opportunities that he's seeing uh, with that workforce development. Well, I think as you ask that question, immediately I think of technology. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you if you back up even further before it evolved into that, it's um, one of the things that we try to make sure that we do with our students to become better technicians, male and female, you know, all of them, is soft skills. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and you think of a service technician, maybe 10, 15 years ago, that service technician was a service technician. But I think, you know, now they're much more than a service technician. They're, they become that salesperson as well. So the soft skills, the, the communication, you know, the, the understanding how to work, whether it's on the residential side, you're walking into a homeowner's home, uh, or it's, it's a large facility and your, your demeanor about yourself, uh, those kind of things and just communicate, you know, that's, that's the key, you know, even way before even all the technology gets involved. I think, uh, to a certain extent, fixing things has become table stakes, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago, you come out of the basement, you get people heating or cooling, there'd be a pat on the back and, and not to say consumers aren't grateful for that, but to a certain extent, I believe they just, when they call you, they expect whoever shows up to be able to fix it. Representation of the company. And so I think for many people to, to speak to the soft skills, I think there's an opportunity to really differentiate yourself there because that is your brand. You can spend all the money, 
on uh, marketing and branding you like, but it's the person in the home that actually interacts with the, the, the homeowner or the facility manager in the facility. Doesn't matter what you say; it matters, you know, how, how they're being taken care of by your team. They may never see nobody else. Well, that's right. That one person. That's they right. may hear others on the phone <clears throat> or emails, sure. but may never see anybody else representation of that company besides that one person. Yeah, absolutely. We love to hear that um, some of these schools that are training service technicians are focusing on soft skills because over the past ten years, even the conversations for a service technician and installer has completely changed. There are so many. You know, IAQ options that can be offered to help a homeowner. Um, those weren't conversations we were having even 10, 15 years ago. There are, you know, just controls upgrades. If a, if a service tech has been trained to listen, you might hear that, yeah, we're getting ready to go to Florida for the winter. Um, you know, a service technician a lot of times would offer like a Wi-Fi controller for that application to add some peace of mind for that customer's six month stay in Florida. So. Yeah. Yeah, if you'd have said 10 years ago that service technicians would have had to understand, you know, Wi-Fi, routers, IP addresses, yeah. um, that's all part of the job now and, and uh, the comfort level around that. It really speaks to the evolution of training for contractors. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, Nick, you said it best when you, you really need to understand your market, understand the uh, issues that your company can face and then really work backwards from there to create a, a solid curriculum or training program that addresses whether it's the communicating systems, whether it's the you know high efficiency systems, whether it's the uh, controls, and, and make sure that you've um, you've got a training program that, that addresses those so that you're really setting up your team to succeed and represent you well. I think uh, is owners and managers it's on us to make sure that we're providing the trainers and the good news is I think more than ever I don't know what you guys are seeing but people are asking for it um, they, they, they want the training our teams are um, they're interested they're seeing lots of different things whether it's you know ductless or hydronics geothermal we we're talking about this morning mm -hmm. um, it's certainly out there and I think it's for us to to create training programs that put them in a position to succeed yeah, these are all really good points. I mean, we've, we've got equipment, we've got soft skills, we've got, you know, what's happening in general in the industry. Um, Tony, how do you, how does that work then with all of these changes? How do you keep the kids up to date? And do you think that the kids are really um, embracing all of these changes? Because now, like Nick was saying, they've got to be broad and specific, which is a really hard thing to do. So it'd be interesting to hear from you how that's affecting what you're doing with the curriculum and helping recruit kids because there is the shortage in the industry. Yeah, very good point. Obviously, kind of going back off of what Ed was talking about, you know, when we start talking about the technology and talking about that the Wi-Fi and routers and everything is such a, a part of a technician that before it was maybe a plumber. Uh, maybe this isn't appropriate to say, but I refer to it as Buttcrack Bob was the one that was doing the install <laughs> and how that has uh, evolved into all these other times or these other opportunities for these times because these students now are the generation that obviously is coming into the technicians. They embrace that because, you know, that's a part of their life. You know, I jokingly say they were texting dad on the way out of of mom, you know, as they were in the birth canal and saying, I'm on my way, you know, um, but they've had technologies since, since birth, you know, with everything. And it's, um, you know, you have a generation that you don't have to teach that part of it because it's just such second nature. 
the technology is there where an older person may not embrace that because they're just comfortable with the other pieces of it. So with the training side, what Nick said, you know, he has to train technicians continuously and things like that. You get the older technicians in there that obviously needs that opportunity to expand, you know, their educational process. But then you have the younger ones that come in and it's just second nature to them. So it's interesting because then we have to teach that other blue collar side of it uh, to the students and let them understand how the wrench works, how the screwdrivers work, you know, all the equipment, all those pieces of it, um, because they're just so used to the technology. So it can it can be a flip-flop between the generations as well. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, so I know we talked a little bit about, you know, the homeowners and the clients and the conversations. Let's dive a little more into that and like what those conversations are looking like, that customer experience portion, all of that. Um, do you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think um, when we talk about what's changing with customer experience, it starts with how homeowners are finding their local contractor to start at the front end of the customer journey. And I think that there's evolution that has taken place the whole way through. But homeowners today are increasingly using digital sources to find and are expecting to be able to engage on demand with their local contractors through online channels. And so I think contractors that are aware of that and investing in their online presence to be able to attract and engage and interact with their customers digitally are winning. They're actually taking the customer and being thoughtful about the customer experience the whole way through to the end. And providing that transparency uh, through that process is key. But then it comes to like what we were just talking about. Like when a technician actually shows up and is on site, those soft skills is really what has the biggest impact on the customer experience. And I think technicians and companies that embrace that and invest in those uh, skill sets for, for their technicians are ultimately uh, excelling. It's so interesting because it's like there's all this digital stuff, but really what makes the impact is still people to people mm-hmm. when you get in the house. People skills. really interesting yep. because you would think as we're going more digital, that's the way to go, but it's actually the combination. Mm-hmm. I would assume, do you find yeah, that? Yeah, to Austin's <laughs> point, I mean, step one is allowing people to find you easily, allowing them to interact with you easily. Over the past you know, 10, 15 years, that conversation has changed so much. I mean, customers have so many more options now than they did then. You know, we just talk about, we're, we're in Emerson. I mean, you can look around at the compressor technology in this building. We've got anywhere from single stage to two stage to multiple stages to um, variable speed. And that's just one component in this total system. So, you know, it's like, well, what controller do you want? You, you know, are you interested in features? Are you interested in aesthetics? I mean, there's two different types of conversations to have just, just for the control on the wall. And then you get into the technology, the equipment. Um, we are talking about dehumidification now because we're able to dehumidify like never before in this industry. And a lot of that is because of compressor and fan technology. So, yeah, there's just so many things to talk about. I think the important thing for... Um, a salesperson in our industry, um, and even a service tech in our industry, to talk about, or to really do, is to understand how this technology works. First, understand like what's available to them to offer, mm-hmm. and then become an expert on, on those things. Um, because it's not just single stage equipment anymore. It's not just okay. Is this a three ton or three and a half ton house? What are your expectations? Are you in a two story home mm-hmm. where it's ten to twelve degrees warmer upstairs? Well, you may have had to deal with that for years, but now we can actually fix that with just equipment yeah. instead of, you know, um, and even accessories like zoning. So yeah. educating um, the homeowner, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, making it making it easy for the homeowner, yep. right? Yep. I think consumers expect increasingly things to be convenient and easy and contractors that are able to figure that out and deliver that 
uh, I think, are ultimately excelling. And that, that goes beyond just the technology that a contractor uses or even mm-hmm. even the soft skills that they train with their technicians. It's even operationally how contractors set themselves up to deliver service. For example, uh, homeowners that are looking to have their HVAC system replaced, typically contractors that are able to deliver that the fastest, same day or next day installation, are the ones that are are excelling and winning. Th- those those are operational processes that a contractor has to figure out how to deliver to be able to create that customer experience and deliver that convenience for the homeowner, which is key. So it really spans across how a, a contractor goes to market, technology, online presence to attract the business, uh, the operational uh, structure of the company to actually deliver the convenient service, and then the investment in the technician to really communicate and create that ideal customer experience in the field. And turn that sales into even further because, you know, you don't want to walk into, you know, once again, we're still speaking residential, but you don't want to walk into that residence, you know, one time, in, like Austin said, replacing that unit and then not hear from them again for 15 or 20 years, going back to what Nick was talking about, IAQ, indoor air quality and all those type of things. You're constantly, you know, kind of putting that product as you're doing the install, even um, dehumidification. Hey, did you think about this? You know, here's opportunities to expand the aftermarket sales as well. I think one of the interesting things I've seen as I talk with a lot of contractors through the country is the companies that understand their processes from start to finish and offer a continuity of experience uh, through the entire customer journey seem to be doing really well. And I think where they're winning, um, and we don't talk a lot about it, is that provides clarity for our team. And so there's consistency of experience in the company. Quite often, you'll see some, uh, not silos, but you know, you get your service manager, your service tech, they're over here, you get your insulation, they're here and sales is here and, and uh, the marketing department's off running, doing some sort of promotion. And I think the companies that have embraced the holistic approach, mm-hmm. where they understand their customer profile, where they understand their digital strategy, and the techs have been educated on that so that as they step in to the home, it's a seamless experience. And then, unfortunately, if, if they do need to offer a replacement, the salesperson comes in and it's a continuation of a seamless experience. And then the installer shows up. It feels very natural because it's been part of a well-thought-out process. And, and then uh, all the way through from the, from the, the post-installation experience and review generation. I think the, the companies that have the view of offering the clarity, not just to the, to the customers, but to the team, I think those are the ones that are avoiding the churn and the turnover because I believe clarity wins every day. And the more we can speak to our teams about our mission or why we exist and, and more importantly, how we work, uh, are going to win long term. And I think in a, let's just be realistic, most of our team could work anywhere, you know, within a day's notice. And so when they do have a choice, I think that the companies that embrace the, the, the here's why we want to, you know, we want to do well so we can do good in our communities and, and, and they'll be able to speak to that. And here's the type of customer we want to focus on. And here's your part in that. And here's how your part relates to everybody else. I think those are the companies that are going to uh, win in a, an increasingly digital age where people share information at literally light speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree. And, and I think j- just to reemphasize one of Eddie's last points, it's more than just management and ownership understanding what Eddie just described. Like It has to transcend throughout the organization. When Eddie says the companies under- that understand, it's not the management of the companies. It's the, the entire company and everyone within the company that understands the relationship 
uh, between their particular division and the others within the company and appreciate that and have strategic alignment uh, and understand really what the end goal of the company is and how the role that they play in helping the company achieve that. Everybody wants to feel like they've made a difference at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And if they know their part in the big picture and they can go home and, and, uh, and at the end of the day feel good. I'm sorry, that just matters. And these are counterintuitive philosophies for our industry, like to be engaging and to bring people into the fold uh, and to be transparent with results and to really kind of share that and open up uh, some of these strategic conversations and and even, you know, the, the financial performance to the company are counterintuitive to this industry. But they're widely accepted in other industries, and I think it's an area where we're starting to see progress. And again, I think companies that are embracing that and leveraging it are the ones that are excelling and winning. Yeah, maybe counterintuitive, but let's face it. I mean, everybody wants purpose in their role. And I think if you have full transparency, as you guys are describing, and I'm literally taking notes as you guys were talking during that. So <laughs> I love it. You guys are experts in the industry. But... Um, yeah, everybody wants to find purpose in what they do. If you can't find purpose where you work, why stay there? That's the bottom line. And uh, an industry with uh, where we're all struggling with turnover, not because we're bad companies, but just because of abundance yeah. of options, then then um, the intangibles matter more than they ever did. And, and I would argue they always did, but it, it was a different market, yeah. and so it was less of a priority. Um, and now where everything can kind of be the same, if I can get the same offering from three different employers, but I feel like I'm making a difference right. here. A little different environment versus yeah. the hourly wage. It, it, what's, what's really uh, exciting is is because of the the way our world is changing, there's there's a, there's a general in the Army, Curlaw, and Curlaw's law states that the, the people closest to the ground, are the ones facing the, the situation, are typically the ones that can make the best and quickest decisions. And so I, I believe uh, the industry as a whole is moving away from a command control because I said so management structure. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly came up that way and, and I was actually okay with it. Um, well, I, I think it's good for us because how incredible is it that the people that are actually facing our, our customers every day can come back and speak into the issues that we're having and uh, have a real uh, opportunity to drive a successful company and culture. That's where it's at. To accomplish that, it requires real leadership, like yeah. from 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 management. So it's one of the biggest challenges that I think uh, companies have to embrace is uh, folks that are in management positions. They have to become leaders, and they have to become facilitators of discussion and draw things out from their people. Mm-hmm. And but there's a lot of inertia in our industry. There's a lot of uh, inertia inside of companies that have been handed down from generation to generation and to change some of those philosophical norms within a company is difficult and requires the managers and the owners to be very intentional about that. I think as middle managers and and as upper managers within companies, understanding that and embracing that and and educating ourselves on how we can grow in that way is the only way that we'll ultimately be able to actually affect change within our specific companies and overall as an industry. Right. It's a totally different mindset of empowering everyone that works there to make these decisions that are best for the homeowner, to make them feel valued. Yeah, and, and quick reality check in podcast land, we get that that's hard. That's not easy, right? So, so I think is and it doesn't happen overnight. No, like it takes. No. And, it and takes. It's probably not healthy if it does. And we're and we 
we're not we're not necessarily experts. Experts as well. <laughs> yeah, like we, yeah. There's, but even within our own companies, there's tons of progress to be made, uh, exactly. and and we've been working on it for uh, intentionally for a couple of years now. And so that's that's why I say you know it doesn't happen overnight, but uh, it, it takes time, and you have to start somewhere. Yeah, I, I think as management, um, we're always working on fixing problems. I think the future goes to the manager that choose to work on the right problems. You know? As we talk about transparency and clarity with all employees, um, I heard from another contractor recently that he makes sure that every single employee in his company knows the current financing offers. And we're talking, we were talking about customer conversations mm -hmm. earlier, and that can be one of the more challenging things to talk to a customer about is money, right? Yep. Because these systems, especially if they want, you know, these high efficiency systems, these ones that can de-humidify like we were talking about with communicating controls, it's a hefty price tag, mm -hmm. but financing has made that so much easier in our industry. And, and if you just think about 10 years ago, <laughs> it's not a conversation we were having. The office will call you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if, if we even offer right, financing, right. the office will call you and tell you how that works, right. because yeah. I don't know. Bill from um, office. But yeah, now everybody knows. Everybody knows how it works. Everybody knows the process. And financing companies have made it easy too. I mean, you can even scan the back of somebody's driver's license and have all the information you need. They sign and they're good to go. But um, I think that's um, one of the things that has changed our industry a lot in the past 10 years in terms of having conversations with homeowners. Um, to the point that, you know, it's not just about like, here's the price, is that what you want to go with? Right. Sometimes it's, right. what kind of monthly investment are you interested in to yeah. accomplish all these things that you told me today that you'd like to have happen in your house from a comfort standpoint? So let's look at our team member today versus 10 years ago. We've just discussed, the, they've gone from working on basically the same types of systems all day to a sort of roulette wheel of <laughs> place your bets. We'll see what shows up in your next call. Uh, they need to know physics. They need to know soft skills. They need to know controls. They need to know uh, technology. We haven't even talked about the devices they're working on every yeah. day. And, and, and then they need to know financing. And that's just a different set of skills. And they need to fix things. You know, you talk about left brain, right brain. It's no wonder that, you know, managers, managers and teammates are talking every day about the challenges we face because it's not simple, <laughs> right? You know. Well, and we've been mostly talking residential, but it, it's that way in the commercial industry too. You know, it's not, and there you have like large buildings, and and zoning becomes even more important depending on what type of building it is, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know how that works exactly in the schools either. Whether you're differentiating between students wanting to go the commercial route versus the residential route, and how you kind of talk about those things differently. That's an interesting piece because obviously, when you're bringing students, like with with us at the Career Center, we have eleventh and twelfth graders. So some of these students you're bringing in, and they maybe somebody works in the industry, and them some of them um, just think it's neat, you know, that their air conditioner works in the summer and the furnace works in the winter, you know, so I want to learn how that works. Um, so obviously in our curriculum, we kind of start out on the residential side and grow into the commercial industrial, but they can associate to that because they have a house, they're living in a house. So then it's they can, cool. yeah, exactly. They can transition into, oh, I understand that big unit that's outside there that I stand above in the summertime when it's really hot air coming out, you know, and I put my shirt under, you know, over top of it and blow up like the Michelin man. 
maybe spit some water in it, maybe yeah. spit some water in it, you know, those kind of things. Um, that That's what that unit is doing. The hot air, there's a reason why that air is hot coming out of there um, because, you know, it's extracting that hot air that's in the house and bringing it out and getting rid of it in another environment. So we, we utilize, obviously, the residential side very heavy, uh, very early into their junior year, um, and then more industrial commercial into their senior year. Okay. I, I think there's an interesting... Um, opportunity again and it feels like that word's been used a lot today where one of the things we're hearing from our team members is career pathing and so we do have people that maybe start understanding the principles mm -hmm. residentially mm -hmm. but um you know if you run four calls a day four or five calls a day five days a week a couple of years you start to want to maybe see other things yes. and, and so having uh the uh commercial uh opportunities available to your team is certainly something i i know there's there's uh, we have team members that just really get that stuff and really that that uh, floats their boat, you know. Yeah. They, they enjoy working on the big stuff and there's a sense of pride and being able to understand like an entire facility's controls. And, and it's nice to have those career pathing options because we're certainly hearing from our team. I don't know if you're hearing career path and their development uh, where you're at, Nick. And, and that's a quite a bit different day-to-day -day experience than, than a residential sort of three, four calls a day Um type experience and, and again that I think the diversity and, and uh, the technical challenges presented in facilities is appealing to certain to certain people facilities could be you know the, the office where 30 people all want 30 different temperatures yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and get it by a combination of uh, magic space heaters and open windows <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well we've talked a lot about how the business is changing um, one of the things we haven't really touched on yet is industry regulations and you know how are you staying staying up on that how does that affect what's going on um there are some new regs that are coming down the pipeline in the next couple of years um so i'll just open that up to conversation and what you think and where you find the answers and what do you think is going to be most important as you're preparing for this well to start if you wait for those regulations you're way behind. Um, you have to know they're coming. You have to be plugged into the industry. Um, and we're, we're right here in, in Dayton, Ohio, very close to Emerson. So like we have a great resource right here. <laughs> kind of sometimes get an inside kind of look as to what's going on yeah. and what's going to be coming next. But in addition to that, you know, a lot of us are dealers for certain brands and you have to be plugged in with that dealership, that relationship there, um, because they're telling you what's coming. I mean, there was just some new um, fan motor um, regulations that came out called FUR that we all have to be familiar with. And it, it became effective July 3rd. But I'm telling you, if you waited till July 3rd, you're in a lot of trouble um, because a lot of these dealers, or a lot of these distributors are already running out of the old PSC motors that have, right. you know, we deemed as an industry that says they're, you know, we're just not using them anymore. So yeah, you have to be ahead of this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the key. It's a great point, Nick. I think one of the, trends I'm seeing is, is a lot more partnerships between manufacturers and uh, uh, parts providers, distributors, and, and contractors all understanding that we really do share the same ecosystem and that it's beneficial for all of us to understand together. And I think more than ever, I feel like there's a lot of people moving in the same direction. But the other thing that uh, I appreciate is, is the work that organizations like uh, ACA, the Air Conditioned Contractors of America, they're heavily involved in making sure that the contractor uh, is represented in, in some of these discussions. They've, uh, they were re recently in Washington um, to make sure that um, 
contractors across the com uh, country, their, their membership base, uh, was representing and had a real voice that offered a, a reality check to, to what can often seem abstract legislation and, and with a big focus on safety. You know, let's uh, let's not forget that every day uh, we send people out in the field, and, and any company that doesn't value safety first um, probably isn't going to be an employer of choice. And so, making sure that there there's organizations like ACA that are supported um, to continue the good work they're doing, um, I think is 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 great. Uh, and then you know, there's there's a handful of great trade publications that really try and do a good job advocating about. Uh, next point about being ready ahead of time, super critical, super critical. Yeah, those are some really good points, especially with refrigerant changes. I mean, safety is key in that kind of stuff, and like how you work with that equipment is different than than what it's been in the past. Absolutely. And with refrigerant, you've got another another level of responsibility to the environment. I mean, that's just you. You have to be always looking in every industry. Every industry is doing it, not just ours. How can we? How can we be smarter? How can we be more efficient? How can we, you know, be more safe? I mean, there's, these things are important. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's driving a lot of these industry changes. Yeah, we have a responsibility to the families that has borrowed their loved one for a day, and uh, it's our job to make sure we're doing everything we can to to return them. Yeah, and it and it trickles down um, all the way down to the high school level. Sure. Um, one of the things that um, Tony and Upper Valley Career Center do really well is they have an, a, an advisory board. And I know that a lot of people on this advisory board from industry are letting them know about some of these changes and saying, hey, you were talking about this technology, but hey, let's talk about this now because this is this is what's coming. So. Curriculum for us changes pretty quick as well. <laughs> so um, obviously we have state guidelines that requires us, you know, basic refrigeration and, and uh, air conditioning and things like that to go by. Um, but then exactly like Nick said, we have an advisory committee um, and, you know, we're very fortunate, very blessed in, in, uh, at Upper Valley to have, uh, you know, 45, 50 different companies. Uh, and then those different companies could have two or three representatives from each company from different divisions. Um, but coming to a minimum of two meetings a year, um, but we have a pretty open door policy that, uh, you know, you stop by, you share things. And then, you know, those changes happen so fast, the instructor can't even keep up with them sometimes because keep in mind, our instructors are not out in the field during the school year. So there's different ways for them to keep up. Um, but a lot of our um, instructors will then go back out in the field uh, over the summer, over the school break and, and work with business industry partners um, and keep up with those, uh, you know, the, the changes and things. But going back to Nick again, just, you know, they can bring those kind of things. Hey, do you guys know about this? And then sometimes, you know, um, the instructor is not familiar with it. So you utilize that advisory committee member to its fullest potential opportunity and they come in and they share this. So all of our students, something we've been doing for the last probably six or seven years or eight years is our students as juniors in high school, here you are 16, 17 years old, they're going through their EPA 608 certification. Wow, um, so they, they um, hopefully by Christmas time, hopefully, usually we're at about 95, 98%, um, but uh, all the students by Christmas break um, will have their EPA 608. Uh, universal, you know, wow. uh, not just core one, two, you know, the whole universal. Uh, so that does a lot of things. Obviously, it gets them to understand the HVAC and don't forget about the R and HVAC, you know, mm -hmm. the refrigeration side of it. Um, uh, but it's very important for them to understand how the, some of these components and some of this uh, items they're going to be working with as far as refrigerant, how it can control that environment as well. 
And so that obviously does a really good job of that, gets them to understand the industry as well. So walking out as a junior before um, we have an apprenticeship program throughout their senior year that they work with our local area employers. Um, and uh, so they're, they already, they're walking out as a senior or walking to the job site as a senior uh, with their EPA 608. They're probably working with some technicians that may not even have their own, you know, uh, within the group. So keeping up with those regulations. That's awesome. I mean, we um, did a podcast about a year ago with some of the students that were there, and just the way they approach the industry and the way they approach um, the job is so mature for their age. Like, I can't even get a handle on these 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds. Like, one of them had his own truck that he was driving yeah, around, yeah, and, truck, and yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And they're talking to me about things like, yeah, we're looking for employers that are going to help us further our education yeah. and mm -hmm. have a 401k. And yeah. like, yes. Like, are you, are you sure you're 16? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. So it's just awesome to see that they're, they're doing that and they're focusing on ways that they can really impact when they get out into the workforce at such a young age. None of that would take place without that business partnership though. So obviously the business partners in our area, uh, you know, kind of quote unquote, taking that chance on a young person, a young technician, but what better way to grow your own workforce by bringing them in at a young age and those employers start creating those habits versus getting them at an older age and having to break habits. Right on. They have an opportunity to create them. That's a good point. Well, I think um, we've talked about a lot of stuff. Is I'm just going to open the floor up. Is there anything you feel like is really important as we're talking about the, the modern HVAC contractor and what the world is like today out in, in the industry? I, I think one thing I would add is I think we're, we're change is continuing to take place at at a, at a increasing speed and and I think uh, for for companies and for you know, employees who learn how to embrace and adapt to change is is just a necessary skill. So it's 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 more than just understanding what's coming and adjusting to that, but it's realizing that uh, the next thing after that is going to come. You know, even faster, and so, you know, culturally, I think we need to, you know, understand that uh, change is, is coming at an increasing pace, and we need to prepare, you know, our, our people and and our, our companies to embrace that and to, to find out to figure out how to take advantage of it uh, moving forward. Yeah, I think um, company culture, I think, is, is super important, and it's sort of become a buzzword, and, and some people are like maybe not buy into it but your company has a culture it's just a question of did you choose it because we all we all come with default operating systems and so does your business and uh not making a choice is still making a choice so i think uh the companies that put a, a lot of a thought into their their culture and and um embracing change and, and not seeing it, uh, as a as an evil but but per, perhaps an opportunity yeah i think uh it helps to embrace change when you kind of figure out why that change is happening mm -hmm. first. And, and I think what's been cool about the change in our industry that it, is that it seems to be based on solutions. Like there's just a solution for everything now. Um, I know it's kind of a silly example, but um, even like a bunch, of, a bunch of our guys wear those like neoprene or silicone rings on their finger mm -hmm. because one person, you know, in the industry probably got a, a skin finger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And um, so somebody heard about it and said, well, we can create a solution for that problem and, and created it. Mm -hmm. And now it's all over the place. So you, the same thing happens in our industry. It's just, we, we look at things like, 
oh man, this compressor technology changes all the time. Well, that's consumer driven. It's because people weren't as comfortable in their home as they would have liked to have been. Exactly. So um, we develop technology to take care of that. And I think if you understand that, it's a lot easier to embrace this change. It's not just change great change. Point. It's change because we are creating better solutions. It's a great point. I'll switch gears here just a little bit, but as we talk about, you know, you, uh, you, you're business partners. So um, obviously we all know there's a shortage of workforce. Um, so my plead as a career tech uh, person um, for anybody that's listening to this podcast, if you're not currently involved uh, with your local tech school in your area, um, I would highly encourage that. So what better way for, um, as I refer to sometimes as a farm team, you know, you're, 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 uh, that's the farm team. You can go in there and, and uh, do your draft picks, you know, right there. Um, uh, but I highly encourage if you're not involved, um, Nick's very involved in our, Becky's very involved in our uh, HVAC programs. Um, and then they know that's where the technicians come from um, because that shortage of workforce, you can pull somebody from another industry, those types of things, but what better opportunity to, to bring them and to grow them into your workforce, like I said earlier, with a, with a younger generation um, and encourage the younger generation to get involved in a skilled trade. Well said. Awesome. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. It means a lot to us at Emerson to have these partnerships as well and the expertise of what's actually happening out there. and. Um, we can't thank you enough for being on this podcast. Well, I thank uh, Emerson for everything they're doing to, to help elevate the trades and, and uh, really a working definition of partnership. And as always, check us out at ac-heatingconnect.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Copeland Scroll. Mm-hmm.